Welcome to Beyond the Flow of Time, a podcast all about Chrono Trigger. I'd like to start by thanking everyone who's chosen to listen. I'm assuming you share a love for this just timeless and classic RPG. So whether you're at home, in your car, or maybe you're at work with your headphones in, thank you for joining me. And just like Chrono Trigger, this podcast has a five-character limit on names, so I will go by Steve. And that was probably kind of lame, and you should probably get used to it, because I'm going to squeeze as many eye-rolling puns into this as absolutely possible. And this is not only the first episode of this podcast, but it's my very first episode of a podcast in general. So I would like to take a moment and let you get to know me, that is, as long as I don't completely forget everything about me, you know, it's like when you're asked, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and you just completely freeze up and forget everything you've ever known about yourself. I am a lifelong fan of Super Nintendo and PlayStation era RPGs, Chrono Trigger obviously being my favorite. I've played through the game a couple times, I'll say about four or five, working on the DS one. It has like the added content, the extra dungeons and bosses and stuff. And actually you can hear the background music playing. I have the PlayStation version pulled up. I was playing a little bit today. Try to get, you know, a little bit of ambience and stuff going. I cook and bake, something I started a couple years ago. Lost my job uh, for reasons. And my wife went back to work, so I started trying my hand at cooking and then went on to baking. And I found it to be... Uh, therapeutic. I write fantasy and science fiction, uh, working on a time travel story. I play guitar, do a little bit of music production. It's something I just started getting into. Got some stuff on my computer, you know, recording, tracking, stuff like that. I live in small town West Virginia with my wife and nine animals. Uh, Cats everywhere. Cats, absolutely cats everywhere. I have cats follow me everywhere, just like Chrono does. One of them is named Magus. Finally, after four dogs and four cats, I got to name one after Chrono Trigger character. So for this first episode, I thought we'd take it slow, do some introductions, a little bit of history before diving deep into the lore in the coming episodes. So if you've never played Chrono Trigger, consider this your spoiler warning. Alright, if you stuck around, then you have been warned. In this podcast, I'm looking at covering like Death Peak, The Black Omen, The End of Time, the History and Origin of the New, Timeline Changes, Major Minor Characters, like Chrono Cross Tie-Ins, you name it. Like, I will probably even expand like fan theories and stuff that uh, the games don't fully explain. Uh, I think I'm going to use the Super Nintendo version for reference, just because like it's the original, it's uh, the oldest. Translation is a little different, it's pretty much the only difference I found between the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation version is the translation, along with like F&B sequences, and then of course the added content on the DS, which we'll cover once I get that far on the DS version. So, Chrono Trigger. Conceived by what is called, they called a dream team. And as I go through this, I've got some notes here. 
I have researched the names of these people, how to pronounce their names, and I've even practiced their names. But Chrono Trigger came to life from a couple of brilliant minds, a couple of just fantastic people. Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, he's the creator of Square's Final Fantasy series, which I'm sure if you've played Chrono Trigger, you're familiar with Final Fantasy. Yuji Hori, creator of Enix's Dragon Quest series. Same thing, if you've played any kind of RPGs, you've played at least a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest game. And Akira Toriyama, who was the character designer of Dragon Quest and the author of Dragon Ball. Which, I'm kind of an anime fan, but I do believe Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are probably just the biggest like most well-known mainstream animes. We got a couple other guys on the Dream Team. Kazahiko Aoki, who's a developer for Square, and uh, Nobuo Aimatsu, who worked uh, on the soundtrack after Yasunori Mitsuda gave himself stomach ulcers from working so hard. Like, I can't imagine working so hard and diligently on something that you drive yourself to that point. And I don't think it's the first time he did it. And it was definitely not the last time he did it. Worked himself to literal literal hospitalization. But like in my opinion. These, uh, these two men. They didn't create just the best video game soundtrack ever. But some of the best music just in general. Like I have the Chrono Trigger soundtrack on my phone. And when I play it, like, my wife has no idea what I, she, what I'm listening to. But, uh, but speaking of my wife, she has agreed that if I get 500 subscribers to this podcast, she will play Chrono Trigger. Like, just, you know, nagging over the years. Oh, it's a great game. It's a fantastic game. You should play it. You should play it. She said she would. And once she starts playing it and starts progressing through the storyline, meeting the characters and everything, I do believe I will go even further and try to bring her on this podcast. The Dream Team. Back to the Dream Team. You can meet them in the game. by When you achieve one of the hardest endings in the game and you finish the game, you get to meet... I don't know how many members... I know it's at least the three. It's either three or five. I'll, I'll have to circle back to that. But you do get to meet them. And a special shout out to the game's translator, Ted Woolsey, who had 30 days to complete the project. And yeah, he added a little flair here and there and like notoriously gave Frog the old English accent that some of us love and a lot of people hate. But translation, we will cover a lot of that another day. Like I said, this first episode, we're just going to kind of go through a few things and, you know, touch some of the hot points. Chrono Trigger broke the mold for RPGs and subsequently a lot of other games that followed. First of all, it was the very first game to ever feature a new game plus where you can start the game over again with your current level and all your weapons and armor minus... You know, like major key items in the game 
that you would normally get like as you progressed like they take those away but you get to keep everything else i think it's 15 endings in the game 14 endings like actual endings and then one like quote unquote bad ending if uh you can use your imagination <laughs> how you achieve a bad ending and then within all those endings there are variations like depending on certain choices you make and characters and things you do or don't do you can get a variation in those endings and another big one seeing as how you know rpgs had gained a lot of momentum g- coming into 94 when uh, or 95 when uh, chrono trigger came out is there's no random overworld encounters the overworld is completely lacking of enemies as you move between towns and cities and the enemies you do encounter are engaged you engage them in the terrain where you encounter them unlike final fantasy where like it takes you to like a like a battle screen you fight the enemies literally on the terrain so if something's in your way or enemies are moving around they're grouped up or distant afar from each other it takes a little uh, you know a little bit of uh strategy almost and i think it adds to like the overall believability of the game well maybe not maybe not believability like uh that's what i'm looking for it's engaging yeah so it it makes the game more engaging i think like the battle system just it flows it's great let's start where the game does but like i'm not trying to do I'm not trying to do a linear podcast. I don't I don't want to follow the game like a playthrough. I figure we'll hit a lot of highs and a lot of lows and everything in between. And as the game starts, the first character we meet is Chrono. And fun fact is his name would have been spelled to match the title of the game, but due to the like the constrictions and limitations uh, I guess for like the memory of the game, because it, it was originally released for the Super Nintendo, each playable character is only allowed to have five characters in their name. And also, given the spirit of the game, I will take you on a trip back in time. So hop in my epoch and let's go, but please, only two per trip. I don't feel like visiting the end of time and explaining myself again I remember my dad bringing this game home in 95 I was seven almost eight and I just remember watching him play and I do think that my love for RPGs started that day but it would it would still be a couple years before I sat down to play one myself I remember the matter transporter experiment gone wrong like it's forever ingrained in my memory Along with the burning home from Final Fantasy VI, although it was called Final Fantasy III at the time, but like that's a whole other game, you know, somewhat relevant as like those were the those were the two big hitters I remember from like the early mid '90s. You know, like everybody wanted Final Fantasy III and Chrono Trigger. If you were if you were an RPG fan, yeah, and Chrono with like his wild spiky red hair it's like i instantly connected with him because at the time i had a you know big 
wild mop of red hair myself. And I first actually got Chrono Trigger myself. It was like 2001 or 2002. I was at GameStop with my dad and like we had just bought a Nintendo 64 from a yard sale. And we went to GameStop looking for Ocarina of Time because, you know, with the Nintendo 64, that was the game to have. And we found a copy and bought it. And as we were checking out, I saw Chrono Trigger on the shelf, like the glass case behind the shelf, or like the uh, checkout counter. And I asked the, the guy there, I was like, what, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's Chrono Trigger. And I knew it was. I just had, you know, to confirm with him because I could hard to see it was a little you know small little cartridge and i uh, asked him how much it was and it was 70 bucks of course i didn't have 70 bucks you know being a kid in 2001 and we went home me and my dad would like take turns playing ocarina of time we had our own file and stuff and i went to bed that night and all i could think about was chrono trigger and uh got up the next morning and i gathered up my game boy advance and all my games, and like a bunch of the super, or like the uh, Nintendo 64 games that came with the 64 I bought from the yard sale that I knew I'd never play. And I think I might have had like ten or fifteen dollars cash. And I pestered my dad till he drove all the way back to GameStop, and I took all that in and laid it on the counter and told that dude I wanted Chrono Trigger, and I left with it. And I still have that copy today. It is 2023, and I bought it over 20 years ago and it has uh, it is not in good shape uh, a lot of moving around you know early teens into late teens into adulthood through college and more moving changing jobs family changes you know we won't go into a lot of detail on that catastrophic floods it is rough um, but I still have it and it still plays I guess you could say it stood the test of time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to apologize for that. Chrono. The game's silent protagonist, he lives alone with his mother, Gina. Now, she's unnamed in the American version, but her name in the Japanese version translates roughly to Gina. So to add a little bit of... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I guess, like, to somewhat personify her and not just be, like, Chrono's mom or mother. We'll call her Gina. And they live in a one-bedroom house. So the bedroom is obviously Chrono's because the first scene is him in bed being woke up by his mother. And we'll circle back to that. There's a lot there. I mean, it could just be, like, a developer thing. But we're we're going to dive deep into the more interesting theories. Some people will say, well, there's a lot of houses with not enough bedrooms or this or that because of, you know, developmental restrictions, but we're not going to, we're not going to believe all that. So he meets Marl or as I incorrectly pronounced in my head since the first time I played it, Marley, which is not right. Uh, he meets Marl, you know, bumps into her at the fair Blonde hair, her blonde hair, and like, I guess you would call like a semi-reckless nature, made her a f like a fan favorite to a lot of people, but like, I, I don't, I never really used her, only when I had to. Like, I don't hate her, 
I just think that every other character is better. Uh, and as the story goes, Chrono and Marl bump into each other, quite literally, uh, and then peruse the fair and end up, you know, the, the whole goal was to go see Luca's invention. In the fair, there's Gato, the big silver metal cat you robot thing you can fight for silver points, Norstein Beckler, and Melchior. So if you're first time playing the game, hunt down those people, remember them. There's almost a whole podcast episode, at least for Norstein Beckler and Melchior. Gato, maybe not so much. But I've done a little bit of research and uh, a couple of theories and stuff. And like I said, I might be reading and digging a little bit too deep into some of this, but we're just going to go, we're just going to go for it. So we have uh, three humans now, Uh, you know, Luca, Marl, Chrono. They're all from the same time period, and they will all be playable in the future. But the past, they will be playable in the past. Pre- the presently, in the past. But a little... Anyway, they're all completely different from each other. So Marl is... Princess Nadia Guardia, daughter of King Guardia the 33rd and the late Queen Eliza. She's wealthy, talkative, spunky, and like I said before, semi-reckless in nature. Borderline just straight up reckless. Luca Ashtier is Chrono's childhood friend. She's reclusive, an intelligent inventor. She's like always... In a project with her father, Taban, and her mother, Laura, suffered just absolutely terrible injuries um, by one of those inventions. And the best way I can describe her is actually not even my own words. The Chrono Wiki describes Laura as a quiet invalid. And I have found no better way to describe her. Like, I even booted up the game and went to go talk to her. And she's just distant. Like, she's like, oh, hi, Chrono. You know, my whole family's out at the fair having fun. You know, I'm just stuck here, you know. And so Luca, they have to be wealthy. Maybe not wealthy to the degree of the Guardia royal family. But they're definitely well off. So if you ever go, eventually I think you will have to go to the house. But you can go to Luca's house right from the beginning of the game. And you cross a bridge onto a private island. And their house, compared to a lot of the other ones in the game, is rather large. So even after Laura's accident, they just continue on inventing stuff. So they have to be, they have to, they have to have some money, somehow. So now we'll circle back to the game's silent protagonist, Chrono. He has no last name is given, and none that I could find in my research. But the game that, or the, I'm sorry, the name that is given is Chrono, which implies a connection to time. And there are countless theories to his odd name and his appearance and how he is unlike anyone else in the game. But guess what? That's a topic for another day. So his father is absent. And his mother, he and his mother live together in a one-bedroom house, like I was talking about earlier. 
So my calculations are that they are somewhat impoverished. So like his mom is either sleeping on the sofa or she's like some kind of machine or guardian placed by the entity to like do dishes and watch over like the hero to be. But to the player's knowledge, like she never leaves the house. And that fact is like never questioned. Whatever or whoever Chrono's father is, he left, maybe like left enough money for them to survive on, but not thrive. They have enough money to pay their rent, but not enough to like move to a bigger house. Or maybe the house is already paid for and they're just living there, scraping by. But I do feel like if she's not a machine or some kind of strange entity, like that she was, that she has sacrificed so much for Chrono, whether or not she knows he's like a quasi messiah and will sacrifice himself eventually. And that was a major spoiler, but if. You stuck around for this part of the podcast, then that's on you. And maybe I maybe I'm digging too deep into it. I don't think so though. Like that's the goal is to dig way deep into the game, just like Lavos did into the earth. And that's another pun I won't apologize for. And so let's jump ahead in time a little bit. Another pun that I'm not gonna apologize for. We'll jump to the moment that Luca asks Chrono to be a guinea pig for her invention, which they just call a teleporter, but it's like an interdimensional matter transporter. And Luca, despite being just completely brilliant, she does not have a good track record for functioning equipment. And what disturbs me about this is that her and her father are persistent, despite Laura having permanently lost the use of her legs because of the two of them they are like ecstatic living their best lives while laura is i'd say miles away judging by the you know it's hard to just judge distance in the overworld but i would say miles away it's the millennial fair and they just left her but i don't know if she would have went i know they could have just loaded her up and took her anyway. I don't think there was much that she could do to stop them if they wanted to take her. Um, well, my thing is, in Laura's situation, the world still exists for people like Laura, but they have to adapt to the world because the world is very. It would be rare for the world to adapt to them. You know what I'm trying to say. I don't hate Luca, and I don't blame her. She was uh, nine years old at the time. And I think what did occur, other than the accident, was that the father-daughter relationship was strengthened after Laura's accident when she all but ceased to exist. She's no longer a wife, really. She and Taban probably barely speak. And they almost definitely do not have uh, a physical or emotional connection anymore luca lost her mother that day and she just turned to her father for everything and they already have a lot in common and now they they're it on the other hand a lot of people believe that the accident pushed luca to obtain to seek and obtain knowledge and it drove her to prevent more accidents in the future i dispute this and i dispute it by pointing out 
how dangerous the idea of a teleporter is and how excited they are to have anyone volunteer to, to try it. So, and Taban has raised up a mini version of himself, despite what he inadvertently did to his wife. And just one moment, just one small second of one day, and Laura's life was just changed forever. It's just how quick something like that can happen. Alright, back to the teleporter. Chrono is transported successfully from one, um, I don't know what you would call it, one pedestal to the other. Marl volunteers, and this is where things just just completely fall apart. Her pendant, the one that she dropped earlier in the game and you picked up, made friends with her, I guess, because now she's following you around everywhere. It reacts in the machine, and Morrow is whisked away as a tear in space and time is formed and sucks her in. And, like, right off the bat, any inquisitive player would wonder, like, the significance of the pendant, like, immediately. But we're not going to go into that yet. The pendant's a whole different thing. But instead, I do believe I'll wrap up this first episode here. Give a few shout-outs, some thank yous, some credits. I really hope you liked it. I hope I piqued your interest. Like I said, it was kind of short. Just touched some highlights and, uh, you know, like I said, hopefully piqued your interest. Hopefully you'll come back and we can dive into uh, a lot of the more interesting things. But uh, the thumbnail that you've seen is by Ricardo Borquez. You can find him on Behance or DeviantArt by the handle Coborquez. The intro is Licking Wounds by Victor Kraus. Uh, got a couple uh, vo uh, sound effects by Owlish Media. And the outro is The World Stood Still by Incitus. And also, if you have any ideas, topics you would want discussed... If you have any art, fan fiction, anything at all related to Chrono Trigger, you can email me at beyondtheflowoftime at gmail.com and thank you for listening.